It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You are listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That is 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, and anywhere across the country if you download the Radio Player Canada app and type in 106.5 ELMNT-FM or 95.7 ELMNT-FM and listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. I'd like to welcome uh, my guest to the show today. It's a pleasure to have Hud Overly with us. He's a creative director at Urban Native Era. And uh, Hud, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm happy happy to be here with you. So uh, I have to ask you, where are you calling in from today? I'm in Los Angeles, California. Los Angeles, California, L.A. And how is L.A. today? It's good. It's, you know, it's been quite a crazy week here in the States and, mm-hmm. you know, around Turtle Island with mm-hmm. all of the fighting the justice yep. uh, and injustices. But um, starting a new day. I hear you. We just had, I don't know if you heard about it, we just had a, another situation here uh, in the east coast of Canada that uh, is upsetting. Uh, an indigenous woman uh, killed by an officer that was going to check on her for a, a wellness check, uh, you know, and um, these these things uh, tend to keep going on and they're very upsetting to hear about. It is, and, you know, I'm, there's, there's, there's hope I see from all the things that I've, you know, experienced being out on the streets here in Los Angeles. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've heard about, I heard about what happened in Canada mm-hmm. that you speak of. And I'm hopeful because of the, myself included, the young people and um, some of the things that we're seeing. So I'm hopeful. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us a little bit, before we get into to what, you're do, what you do with Urban Native, can we talk a little bit about yourself? Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Of course. So uh, I... Uh, I'm currently in Los Angeles. I've been out here for about almost two years, but for where I am right now, this journey started but after high school when I was about to go into university, when I interned for this organization called UNITY, which stands for United National Indian Tribal Youth. And so that was headquartered in Oklahoma City. And I grew up in Norman, Oklahoma, just about 20 minutes south of there. And I interned there and I got to meet, I would consider my first boss, who's was J.R. Cook. And he just really took me under my wing. And um, we were, um, like in the name of the organization, we were serving youth and getting programs together and really building up to an annual conference, which was a great experience. I was actually out here in Los Angeles. But I ended up going to the University of Colorado at Boulder, studied advertising and business, um, had a wonderful experience there. And I'd say mostly in part to the support system I had there. So I had a really great um, Native American counselor for my scholarship. So I think that's super important. And um, I've actually continued, you know, to stay in the education field through um, just last year, I became a board member of American Indian Graduate Center, um, which serves Alaskan Native and Native American youth pursuing higher education, um, which I'm happy to hop into that later too. But um, graduated from University of Colorado Boulder, went back home to Oklahoma and just worked some odd jobs, bartended, um, did some advertising jobs at, for credit unions and then sports marketing. And then uh, I was really, I really wanted to get out of Oklahoma, not because anything was bad or anything, but 
I just felt like there was more out there and I wanted to experience some of the things I was seeing through social media or through just media in general. And I was looking at New York, New York City and Los Angeles and I applied to a job with the Sundance Film Institute's indigenous program out here in Los Angeles and was lucky enough to get the job. So I moved out here and I was with them for about a year and a half. And then I met my business partner, um, Joey Montoya, who had started Urban Native Era seven, almost coming up on eight years ago. Mm. And he brought me on to be creative director and kind of help him out because he was just a one man show mm. for all those years. And we're, we're really expanding, being able to have two, two people work on stuff. So that's kind of a quick gist of where I am. I'm also, I'm enrolled Osage. Um, I'm also Comanche and Caddo. And right now is actually the first weekend of three of our Osage ceremonial dances that happen back in Oklahoma. But this year, for the first time that I know of ever, all three have postponed because of the pandemic that Mm. is striking, you know, everywhere and especially hitting our native communities. So Mm -hmm. this year it's, it's not happening this June, but usually it happens every June and it's something I definitely look forward to, but it's it's being pushed till further notice. Right, um, Osage. Uh, yes. What it could, is that a, a, a an acronym? No, Osage is uh, it's the name of my nation. Um, okay. It's in where our reservation is in northeast Oklahoma, mm-hmm. um, right around Tulsa. If people okay. know where Tulsa is, yeah. it's near there, and uh, we we're actually. No, I, I'm very proud to be Osage, and I think it's really shaped me who I am be, by, because of the culture, but also we have just really great programs for youth. I went to mm. Washington, D.C. a couple of times in high school, and mm. um, I think we're, we're always growing. Every year at our, our Osage dances, which is called the Elonshka, we have more and more dancers every year, more and more um, people and young people come out. So, yeah, that's that's new of our nation. Mm. Our nation. Okay. Uh, do you know many uh, Lenape people from that area? I say that because my own heritage is Lenape, and I know a lot of Lenape people went out to Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, well, there's, I can't, I don't know the exact number. There's mm. um, many nations in Oklahoma, but I, I don't know any of the one, anyone from Oklahoma there. I've been to um, New York City where I've mm. met a few people. Right from the people that were up there or up, I guess, still up in those lands, but no, I don't know any Oklahoma. (laughs) No worries. Uh, so, so listen, congratulations on the new position. I think you got it in, in what, March or so? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So congratulations on that. And it does look like a very cool organization. I got to say, it looks like a pretty, pretty, pretty cool thing. It is, a, it is a, I love working for this um, brand every day because, you know, like I mentioned, my background's in advertising mm-hmm. and marketing and, you know, a lot of this stuff, um, you know, not just selling apparel or doing clothing design, but we really um, pride ourselves in being like a, um, a multifaceted brand where we, are, we push out news or we push out information or we'll go live on social medias from mm-hmm. these protests that are happening we're not just a clothing brand we really pride ourselves in like bringing visibility to indigenous peoples however that may be 
Yeah. And and part of that is you, you're doing some traveling. I noticed you guys were in Toronto at one point as well. That's correct. So we, well, I was in, when I was still working for Sundance, mm. um, I went for work to attend Imaginative Film Festival, which yeah. by far is my favorite film festival that I had went to working for Sundance. And I, I luckily, I was very um, blessed to be able to travel a lot with that job going mm. to um film festival in New Zealand and all over Canada and all over the US. But Imaginative was one of my favorites, a lot because I love Toronto. And so I you know, just invited Joey um, out to kind of represent Urban Native Era and, and the brand got to document some of the happenings at Imaginative Film Festival. And so that was then and before the festival started, I helped um, the brand organized just a little fun little grill cookout um, right. <laughs> at Christie Pitts Park if right. any of the truck the people are, know where that is but um, just a little touch point for the brand mm. and get to see some faces meet some people now you said that that he started this like seven years ago nearly eight years or nearly. eight years ago right. in December no yeah. November right eight years in this fall yes yeah, that's cool. And uh, if you go to the Instagram, you got some great shots up there of, of all the stuff that you're involved with, some of the things you're doing. Uh, and you're saying that, uh, you know, you, you're, you're getting involved with uh, design uh, and, and uh, clothing design and those kind of things. And I love the uh, little little things you can buy, like uh, you are on native land. You got the T-shirts that are going. Every day is Indigenous Day, of course. I love that stuff. Yes, you know, we the the year on native land is something that the brand has really seen a lot of great feedback from. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think something with that all indigenous clothing brands or brands in general faces people ask, is it okay if I wear this? Mm -hmm. Is it like they I mean, I'm, it's great that people are asking that question. And you know, checking before they, mm -hmm. feel, I mean, impose, you know, they aren't really imposing in our opinion, but um, that is something we get a lot of questions about because it's a statement that it, it's, it creates a conversation and it's a statement piece for sure. Mm -hmm. And so you can wear it on a hat, you can wear it on a t-shirt, we have pins, you can put it on a backpack. Um, we're, we're really expanding where we put that and it's something you can wear around and you know, once people can kind of are more able to fly or travel, like it, it creates conversations when mm -hmm. people ask or they see that statement or it starts a conversation in their head, even if they don't right. um, bring up a conversation. Right. And if people are interested, just as we're talking about that, if people are interested in uh, picking up one of those or picking up some of the T-shirts, uh, where can they go to do that? Yes. Yeah, so we have our website, www.urbannativeera.com. Okay. And we have our shop there. We have our blog, which we um highlight different things we point out different events indigenous events throughout like happen throughout the world that are like go-to spots we have um we're adding we have recently launched a podcast so you can find our podcast yeah. on there and so that our website has that and we also have of course have our shop where we have all of our our apparel and accessories you can purchase so uh, just a little bit more about Ur Ur Urban Native Era, uh, which is uh, the company, and it's, it's building a platform to not only spread awareness about Indigenous issues, but it's also to show the diverse and complexity of Indigenous nations across the world through the power of storytelling, uh, use of design, film, 
photography as tools to empower a collective change. And and you say Joey came up with this idea. You got involved. How did you meet him, and how did you find out about this? Well, it's funny. Once I got out, once I got out to LA, you know, I was just little, you know, kid from Oklahoma in the middle of the country, moving out to the big city, mm. and someone I had met. Um, had said that you should meet this music artist that is uh, down going to school at University of Southern California. So I ran into him um, unplanned and we were just hanging out and he said, you should meet this guy named Joey Montoya. He's in San Francisco, but um, you should meet him. And so I was actually going to San Francisco for my sister's birthday. And I just reached out to him, see if you wanted to hang out, just meet up and say, what's up? And so we hung out and we just kind of, you know, just like, just stuff that would happen in Indian country. We would like see what, like what his thoughts were, what my thoughts were, and just kind of kept in touch. He came down to LA, um, I think for a month, just to like make a, make some visits around here. And we kind of talked about the idea of just like, you know, we're both doing great things in Indian country, me with Sundance and with Urban Native Era and just the idea came up to have him move down here and the i guess is just probably just bound to happen that um we would kind of just happen to use our combined forces of advertising and marketing to grow the brand me while i was still working with sundance but eventually just became something where we really saw a vision for what the brand could do and I decided to hop on, which is a really interesting time to hop on early March, right before everything um, was really limited as far mm. as um, traveling and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yeah. And and so how has that been for you guys uh, in the last little while, then uh, the restricted travel? How's it going down there for you guys? Well, it's it's been interesting because, you know, Joey, like I said, he's been doing the brand for a while. And ever since he graduated from university, he's been traveling and he's pointed out that he has he's never been in one place for more than like two and a half weeks. He's always been traveling. He's always done um, different partnerships where mm. he needs to travel. And so mm. he's he's getting he's been getting used to staying in one place for a while. And we, you know, we've really attacked being able to have a presence without physically being somewhere. Mm. We actually had a, what we called an urban native era experience planned for March 14th here in Los Angeles. And we got, we had people telling us that they were going to be coming from Phoenix, which is about a five hour drive coming from San Francisco, which is, I think about a five hour drive as well. And so we were really excited. We had about 600 RSVPs and mm. we, wow. our event venue, our max capacity was just about 75, but it was for a day long event, <laughs> event, but it was just two days before is whenever we felt that we couldn't, that things were progressing too fast as far as the pandemic and mm. we couldn't. Mm. Um, but the people that were attending in that, in that space and really have that risk. And so we had to, unfortunately, re repurpose that day. And so what we did was did a seven hour live show on YouTube and Instagram. We just, me and Joey talked about the brand, what we're planning to do in the future. We had guests on, we had, um, spoken word poets, Tazma Chavez. We had 
Mm -hmm. um, just some LA folks, LA native people come in and just chat it up. And we just wanted to make, make that day an experience. And it was turned out to be great because what was just going to be for people in LA or the West coast, people from New York. And I think people from Canada could, could watch us and take part in our flash giveaways for a poster and ask us questions. You know, it was, it turned out to be a pretty um, successful event. Mm, cool. Congratulations on that uh, so far. I mean, it's yeah. great. Everything I see online looks looks great. And, uh, you know, with, with all the different uh, social media platforms that you're involved with and, and all the great designs and stuff that you guys are doing, uh, just going to let everyone know that you're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That's 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, and anywhere across the country if you download the Radio Player Canada app. My guest is HUD Oberly, and he's creative director at Urban Native Era. And you can check them out online at Urban Native Era. And uh, I was just looking at your Instagram uh, here, Hud, and, and I see uh, that uh, your podcasts are hosted by Huddleberry Finn. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> that is where you can find me on just about every social media. All right. And so listen, what are you what are you doing with those podcasts? I mean, I can see that you're you're taking stories, but I like that uh, you're it looks like you're looking for stories too. your story and only your story uh, at at UNE podcast. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what you're looking for. Yeah, so we we really wanted to figure out how we could have a podcast and the original idea and it still is the main idea is to have creative individuals and entrepreneurs, just influential people come on and I would speak with them about how they got to where they are yeah. or um, just their journey. And I think we, we intended that to be for, to have guests on that were native and not native as well. Some people that were influential in the fashion industry that we know out here, the mm. streetwear industry and until we're really focusing on those um, stay-at-home orders. And so we haven't had any guests yet, but once little things are kind of more free about meeting, um, we're looking Mm. forward to doing that. But until then, it's just me doing a solo show and I'm, you know, I'm kind of creating it as I go. Mm. But it's been, you know, just things that I've learned throughout my life and how to be positive and, that, that podcast you mentioned of like learning your story is about really getting to know yourself with every detail, mm-hmm. which would be your internal story and not comparing it, comparing it to someone else's external story or people may judge you on your external story, which does not have the details at all. It's, it may just be a two sentence synopsis. And I compared it to my experience in the film industry, which was the term was called the log line, which is just a one sentence synopsis of a movie, mm-hmm. which could be up to three hours long. So people, I just, just saying, you know, don't let people judge you on that one sentence synopsis mm-hmm. of what they see on social media, or what the, the little details they know about you. Like you have to be comfortable with every detail of your life and that, will keep you going forward and keep you happy no matter what critique is thrown at you or praise. Right. Okay, uh, just a little bit more about what uh, Urban Native Era is about and and going into the background of it uh, again, uh, as you described, um, 
It was born in response to indigenous-led social movements as a way to represent ourselves in everyday modern context. uh, And uh, urban uh, and native era takes up uh, uh, upon itself to be an accessible outlet for indigenous peoples to represent themselves, to bring attention to positive indigenous-led movements, and to celebrate and uphold the diversity of indigenous cultures around the world. Now, that's interesting that you're uh, you're including around the world, which is fabulous. It's great, because as we all know, there are indigenous people all over the planet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I one of the things I quickly realized once I got out to Los Angeles um, was, uh, was all of the different... Um, indigenous peoples around the world because growing up in Oklahoma it's such a middle of the country kind of bubble of of indigenous people which Mm. is great and I've you know learned a lot that's what shaped me but I did it once I got out to LA I learned that there were um, the Sami people in the north in Mm -hmm. the Arctic region and um, learned more about the Maori people in New Zealand and just all this different stuff and I think Urban Native Vera we've really focused on that and especially since I've came on I've really wanted to expand outside of the U.S. while still prioritizing U.S., but also prioritize um, First Nations people and making sure we're keeping in touch with the creatives and artists in New Zealand, Aotearoa. Um, it's just been a priority for me ever in everything I've, I've, I've tried to do. Mm. So are you, are, you, um, are you doing anything proactively in terms of reaching out to any of these other indigenous people that you know or, or may have uh, uh, come in contact with, that they can contact with, to put you in contact with people in other parts of the world that you can maybe get on your show or have them get involved? Yeah, well, we, we do a ton of different things. We're, we're really, a lot of what we do is um, geared towards artists. And so... Urbanita Vera has a Spotify that highlights um, indigenous artists and we do have non-indigenous artists um, on there, but it's all um, people of color and it's, it's something that we highlight where we have someone like Teeks in Mm. Aotearoa or Sebastian from uh, Canada. And so we, we do that um, as a way to highlight people from all over the world Mm. um, and other, other forms of art as well. So you're uh, you're doing these episodes uh, every every Tuesday. It says new new episodes. That's correct. And uh, I noticed that one of them, one uh, part one, uh, loving oneself and how to have more perspective. Yes, yes. So well, so part one was about you know really being comfortable with yourself and. Um, being able to be an individual and be an independent thinker. And then part two, which, which we, we is going to come eventually, but there's been, you know, we wanted, we didn't want to not, you know, shine a light on these things that are happening in Mm -hmm. LA. So the, the, the podcast after that was about um, our statement and how we reflected on these events that are happening around the country, as far as the injustices Mm -hmm. um, with police brutality, but the part two is about, I lead with quotes in these podcasts. And so the mm. second one, the quote is, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go farther, go mm. together. Mm-hmm. And so that's what part two will mm. eventually be about for that. And it's, and I think it does relate to these things that are happening as we protest for justice. And I think it's something that can tie in, but it's just about, you know, joining, joining other people and 
making it getting to the point where you can make the be- the most impactful change. Mm. Well, speaking of joining uh, other people, um, I think and I'm hoping that uh, we can stay in touch with each other. I think that uh, there's benefit for us to uh, join together and, and share stories, and maybe maybe you can come on and do something like a you know a monthly update or something with us and and talk about what's going on in your world. That'd be amazing. I would love to. I've ever since I went to Canada the first time for Imaginative, I've always loved being in touch with the people up there, and um, I'm still trying to learn you know the differences in the two um, countries' indigenous mm. processes and mm-hmm. different systems. You know, I'm still trying to learn that as much as I can, but mm. I would that would be great. I would love to keep in touch. That would be great, uh, HUD. Listen, uh, once again, I just want to say Nyawa and Miigwech uh, for, for taking the time to join us on the show and, and, and sharing us, uh, you know, what you guys do at Urban Native Era. And all the best to you and Joey. I mean, congratulations to both you guys. And all the best for yes, everything you're doing. Yes, thank you so much, and we'll we'll be in contact. And I hope to meet uh, some of these listeners soon too. Yeah, and if you're ever back up this way, we'll have to, uh, you know, once things are lifted and we can travel again, maybe we'll have to get together sometime. <laughs> yes, of course. All right, so uh, that is Hud Obery. He is the creative director at Urban Native Era, and you can check them out online. Um, they have their uh, website www.urbannativeera.com and you can see all the stuff that they're involved with. That will connect you with all their other social media platforms that they have going on right now. It's been a pleasure talking with HUD today on our show. So, don't go away. We're going to be right back with more right here on Element FM and Moment of Truth. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. And of course, anywhere across the country, if you download the Radio Player Canada app and type in 1065 ELMNTFM or 957 ELMNTFM. I'd like to welcome our next guests to the show. Online with us, we have Sharon McKenzie, the Executive Director of News and Current Affairs at APTN. And we also have Lindsay Sample. She is the Executive Editor at Discourse out there in British Columbia. So welcome to both Cheryl and Lindsay. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, David. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's our pleasure. And uh, I guess there's some great news uh, for both of you guys to be uh, talking about as uh, you've both got involved with this new Indigenous that you've launched to work together to try and bring, uh, I guess, more focused, more attention and less stereotypical kind of news for Indigenous affairs and Indigenous news coverage out uh, in the Okanagan Valley, I guess, uh, Lindsay. That's where this is, uh, is starting from? Yeah, absolutely. So Indigenous launched uh, earlier in in May, and um, we started with a team in the Okanagan, and now we're also expanding to Vancouver Island. So where did the where did the idea for this come from? Uh, and I'm going to throw it out to both of you. Uh, did this come from uh, who approached the idea? Was it APTN that that took the initiative to approach Discourse, or how did how did this come about? Well, actually, it's been uh, over a year, a year in the over a year in the making. I, well, maybe you could even stretch it back further than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just looking at the the news uh, landscape across the country, mm-hmm. uh, there are several communities that are underserved by uh, the national news media or even their local new even their local coverage in their own area. Uh, there are still are underserved communities. And 
with the, I guess, amalgamation of um, news resources and uh, like the bigger news legacy uh, organizations kind of taking over uh, and and the, the smaller, uh, more community-driven news sources were drying up. Uh, as uh, people uh, go more and mm-hmm. more, uh, being more and more selective about where they're getting their news coverage and what people are willing to pay for. Mm. So there are increasing pockets of people who are not being served uh, by their local news media. So uh, APTN and the discourse and, uh, you know, we've been talking with the TIE. And so we're just looking at ways at uh, how uh, we can do better at serving, uh, especially Indigenous uh, communities who uh, don't get the same kind of local coverage that uh, that the mainstream gets. And um, the discourse has always been uh, leading in this kind of area as well uh, on the West Coast. And so it just seemed like really natural for mm. uh, us to, to partner up and uh, just try and create a service that is really going to serve more people. Okay. Lindsay, anything to add to that? Well, I think that's a great summary. And I would just add that, yeah, the discourse in APTN, my first uh, experience with that partnership um, was on our tracking Trans Mountain project. We worked together to do meaningful coverage of what was happening in communities there for that. And you know, we're all about collaboration and APTN has been such a good partner to collaborate with. So when when we were really looking at the landscape and we saw that there was an opportunity, um, we just had a, a history of partnering together and we knew that we could do something really uh, meaningful. Hmm. Now, the Okanagan Valley, what, what, does, what area does that cover for people that are not sure about what that means when you say that? Yeah, so we're covering basically from Vernon and maybe even a little bit further north in BC, down through Kelowna, through Penticton, and then out towards Karameas as well. So it's basically the um, the territory is silk territory, which actually mm. goes into the US as well, but we're kind of covering, yeah, that it's a pretty broad region um, in the interior of BC. Okay, and you're you're you either either have or you will be expanding to Vancouver Island. Hmm. Yeah. So when we were looking at which uh, areas didn't have that sort of local news coverage um, in BC in particular, um, we did a combination of analysis, listening, and looking at the full picture to see you know where is this gap really being felt, um, and decided to move forward with Vancouver Island and the Okanagan Valley as our um, starting point. They're both like pretty broad geographies, but also like have enough of a local news um, need that we thought we could fill. Now, APTN, uh, uh, Cheryl, has been uh, 20 years in the making and it's doing a great job. Recently, there's been some changes uh, for yourself included. Uh, I don't think it's been quite a year yet since you took taken over the executive director of news. Is that correct? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, it won't be until uh, July when mm. I come up to uh, my first year uh, in this job. And of course, that, that's after uh, Karen Pugliese mm-hmm. moved on and she did a uh, Neiman Fellowship yeah. at Harvard University. Right. So she's uh, 
we were teasing her saying she's too smart for us now (laughs) (laughs) and so uh she's uh done really well for herself and and moved on so that was always her goal to just come in for about five years and she ended up staying for seven years Mm. and then she was going to move on and then it's always uh APTN really like believes in like their people Mm -hmm. and we develop from the inside Mm -hmm. and, you know, we have formal mentorships and, and training, but above all is just believing in the people and supporting them to help them do their job. And that's what the network did for me. And uh, I took a chance and uh, let me take the reins for the newsroom and um, very fortunate for me that I have a great team uh, the, who are still in the network. We have a lot of new people coming up too, because there's been several people who have moved on over the years, mm-hmm. but there's, uh, we still attract a really great group of people who are so dedicated and want to do the, that, the unique journalism that you won't hear uh, anywhere else. Yeah, very true. And I'm glad to, to hear you say the word team, because that's what it seems like you guys are building here with with uh, this this new um, uh, launch of, of Indigenous. Um, and, and so how is that how is that relationship going to work between the two of uh, discourse and APTN with with uh, uh, getting the news out, uh, sharing the news uh, and, and building on this? If I could just uh, talk before you, Lindsay, just to add. Um, what? With uh, like with the APTN news, like we're spread out all over the country. Mm-hmm. So in some places we have actual brick and mortar bureaus where, you know, we have a uh, uh, several people who go in and work in these big cities. But we also have uh, home bureaus where there's like one person out in uh, Edmonton working on their own. Uh, you know, one person out. Uh, we're hiring another one in Northern Ontario since uh, Willa Fiddler has mm-hmm. moved on so we're looking for our next uh video journalist in northern ontario who wants to get the stories <laughs> that should be on aptn on aptn so we really have that philosophy of relying on our people in the regions to tell us what's important for the local people there what are you hearing from people what's important to them what do they want to hear about and so it's really, it's not the centralized focus where we're just dishing out, you you bring us this and you bring us that. Mm. We really want to listen to our people out mm. in the regions because they're the ones who are on the ground. So this is like kind of a, a great extension of that to have real local, uh, these are Indigenous women journalists who ended up uh, competing for and successfully getting these jobs who are from the region they can tell us like what are the big stories for the region and tell us why it's important and why people should care and so they put those stories out locally and then our um, national producers uh, will take those stories and say like wow this is great you know we have to get this into the national dialogue and make this uh, to connect the dots in other parts of the country where these kind of same local issues are going on but to bring that local perspective into the national dialogue is uh, something that we've always been about. And to be doing this with Indigenous News is, uh, has been a great experience so far. Hmm. Um, okay, that's that's really interesting. So again, I'm going to go back to this relationship about uh, the three the three women. So it sounds like APTN was involved with, with the hiring process? We just helped... Um, 
advertise that this was going on, yeah. but uh, the discourse is totally taking the lead, and that's uh, they're they're reporters for sure. Okay, so uh, Lindsay, do you want to jump in with with that? Oh yeah, I would just say so. So what we did was um, in order to to get the word out in the Okanagan. Um, much like APTN, the discourse is really focused on listening. So I actually did a road trip um, through the through the Okanagan to listen to people and ask them, you know, what do you want to hear from a new media media outlet in the Okanagan that is serving Indigenous peoples? Like what kind of stories, who should we hire? How do we get the word out? And we spread the word in person and then it's on Facebook as well, pretty heavily. And then and the three women that we hired all kind of heard about what we were doing through that process. And none of them before identified as journalists. They were media makers. So one mm. was uh, a film producer, one was a photographer, and one was doing more current affairs uh, stuff with with um, Global Okanagan. And so we've brought these this team together to really invest in them as journalists to to do something that's really not happening in many places like Cheryl was saying across the country to have local journalists reporting on local communities as Indigenous women is pretty rare and um, the community response so far has been really incredible. I know a lot of people steer clear of comment sections and stuff like that but we've actually been finding so far that the comments are pretty amazing and, and pretty positive so that's been that's been great to see. Well, that, that's that's uh, that's good good to hear, and thank you for, for saying that. So again, I'm going to go back again. How does how are the 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 reporters going to uh, inform APTN about stories they've found, and and are they going to be uh, just from a, a print perspective that they're submitting? Are they going to be sort of like uh, going on camera and submitting that way? Are they going to be you know how is that relationship going to work? So, so I can jump in here, I think, on this one because I'm more on the day-to-day -day editorial mm -hmm. side of things. So what, what happens is the reporters work for the discourse mm -hmm. and they're actually um, reporters who are funded through the local journalism initiative. So they work with us, they work for the discourse. What happens is um, we have a story meeting every Monday as a team mm -hmm. and we talk about what stories we're going to do for the week. And then I send out an email to uh, Cheryl as well as one of the other producers at APTN and say, hey, these are the stories that we're working on this week, just a heads up. And then they'll say, you know, oh, we're also working on something like that. Or, oh, this one's really cool. We're really interested in that. And then based on the story that is um, that we're working on, um, we'll go from there. We've Again, we've only been doing it for a few weeks. So mm -hmm. we're still kind of sure. learning things and figuring it all out. Um, but that's sort of the typical process. And most of what what we're doing is written based and as well like social media photos videos that kind of thing mm -hmm. um so that's kind of the process that we're working with right now mm -hmm. yeah and given that uh aptn we we do have like a big digital footprint but we're also you know tv is really our our bread and butter the tv national news broadcast mm. so in addition to having their stories uh on uh, to share their stories on our website uh, we'll bring them bring them on camera for sure to talk about uh, the impact of of that local story and uh, yeah again just to bring to bring those those local perspectives into the national dialogue that uh, voices that were previously you know not 
heard enough of, in our opinion. Mm. Now, uh, Cheryl, this next comment's not going to become a surprise for you at all, and Lindsay, perhaps to 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 you as well. But um, I'm I'm sure that. Uh, there is, and the reason you, you did this was because there is a need. There's a need to get more coverage into Indigenous communities and more coverage of Indigenous stories. Um, and you have ongoing meetings, both of you, and, and with your own teams. Cheryl, over, over the period of, that you've been involved with, with the news element at APTN, um, I'm sure you... Uh, are are swamped with stories that are being submitted. You always have to make decisions on what stories you you want to cover and what stories, and unfortunately have to have to not get covered in a particular week or with a, in a particular time because there just isn't enough people to 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 cover that. Absolutely, there are uh, there are, and I guess always will be way more stories out there than than we can possibly humanly do. So yeah, you're right. There is a, we do have to be uh, mindful of uh, of our audience and uh, what's going on uh, in a whole bunch of circles, uh, actually, and and being involved in the community, and and like I said, having that local uh, representation with our reporters from across the country. So. Yeah, that no, that's that's fabulous, and that's a, a great way that this could could help cover uh, do more of that. As you say, uh, Lindsay, the discourse and what your indigenous reporters are going to be looking at is is the local stories that are out there. And certainly, with uh, and Lindsay, you mentioned this that um, with Soatin uh, situation, I think you mentioned that that you and 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 APTN were were talking to some degree on that front. I think this also is a great three-way conversation for us because here at Element FM, we want to, of course, uh, hear more about Indigenous stories and have links to Indigenous um, reporters that we can access to get those stories out in this part of the uh, country as well. So perhaps that is something we could talk about in terms of, you know, making sure we stay in touch with you um, at Discourse so that we can, uh, you know, we can, we can also hear about those, those things that are happening out there as well. Absolutely. Yeah. The reporters right now are, are busy working on stories, which is why one of them isn't joining us here. But um, yeah, all the stories that we produce with Indigenous are creative commons, like they're open for, for other people to use and share. Um, and definitely the reporters are keen to talk about their work and, and what they're learning along the way. So you know, that would be awesome. Yeah, that, great. Now, COVID-19, of course, uh, has put us in a position where, uh, uh, Cheryl, many of us are working from our home bureaus, <laughs> so to speak. And um, that's no different for what we're doing here at, at Element FM. And and, and uh, with this particular show, I'm doing that from my home bureau. And, um, and many of the DJs are, of course, broadcasting from their homes. How do you think that COVID-19 is going to perhaps affect the way we look at doing business as we come out of this. And Cheryl, I'll start with you. Oh, wow. Yeah. As, as far as the, as far as the news business goes, we had to really adapt uh, the way that we do things uh, rather quickly. Uh, we don't have reporters going out, a reporter and cameraman, they don't even travel in the same vehicle anymore. Mm. Uh, you know, you've, you've seen that uh, in television news or people will use a mic stand and, mm -hmm. you know, make sure they're socially distanced and make sure that people have uh, 
masks and whatnot. And um, so that's what that's what it's been like in the south. But with this uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic, it's really, really hampered our ability to uh, get those community stories uh, because we just can't go there. Mm. Um, you know, uh, the communities are are doing enormously well in protecting their people and keeping outsiders out. And mm -hmm. so that's a, that's hopefully going to uh, stand the test of time and keep people healthy. Yeah. And we certainly do not be, want to be the ones uh, bringing the virus into, into the community. Right. So we're connecting with people a lot online, but that really leaves out a big portion of people and uh, maybe even marginalizing a whole bunch more people. Now we're getting to this uh, era of where people, if they don't have the technology to talk to others like we're doing right now, well, well what are they doing? How, mm -hmm. how are they being reached and how are they get, uh, getting their voices in on these issues? So uh, we talk about indigenous people being marginalized. Mm. Now we'll have even more of this, like, I don't know what you, what you want to call it, e-marginalization. <laughs> mm. uh, so how can we still get the voices of, uh, of indigenous communities uh, and these stories out there when we can't even go to these places and, and the technology also leaves some people behind? So we're just really having to expand our net and ask people who are even who we're talking to to expand their nets mm. and, and to help us be uh, to to be the eyes and ears in the community so that we can uh, bring the issues, not only the issues, but also things that are working in the community mm. and uh, how people are dealing with these things effectively. We saw that on uh, social media, uh, <laughs> there was a, a Pukitawagan was mm. having their, uh, they were going to have their annual powwow, but that was on the, the, uh, the uh, COVID ep epidemic hit. So they took to social media and we started sharing some of the videos on the news. You know, they're having a jigging contest and, and it all took place on social media and they mm. got likes. And so it was a real, it was a real interesting window into the community because it was really into the community because people are doing it right from their houses and so you just get a, a, uh, the flavor uh, of the culture in these local communities mm. and our people are so uh, resilient and part of that resiliency is with our humor mm. yep. <laughs> so if you look you know with these uh, checkpoints into uh, communities where you know where they're they have make, making sure only residents come in and outsiders stay out like I was talking earlier mm. and so they started I don't know who started it I'd have to look back in our stories but they started this hashtag about um, it was a checkpoint uh, checkpoint uh, oh, I, I can't remember the the uh, the hashtag right. now but uh they'd send out this little video of <laughs> they'd have to do like play a little song and and do a little video of them at the checkpoint and uh, <laughs> I, i'm not doing it justice here explaining it no but uh, checkpoint challenge that's what mm. it was and so it was just uh getting people involved uh nationally mm. but doing so uh over social media right so um we're still doing a lot of like how the pandemic is affecting our communities, mm -hmm. but now we're doing more, more and more stories that aren't not exactly COVID related because you know everyone's getting bombarded with this, and it can get really stressful for people. 
um, especially with our older population, mm. you know, mm. our elders, mm-hmm. we don't want to see like our elders uh, getting sick. And, yep. and we put a piece out uh, on APTN of reflect of elders reflecting on their experience with the Spanish flu. Right. And how that and how they dealt with that. And just people more and more going out onto the land to keep their families safe. Yeah. Um, so there, our coverage is uh, is is changing, and we just have to look for more and more ways to uh, get those stories out there mm. without necessarily going into the community with a camera like we have traditionally done. Right. Yeah, and add to that if I can, if that's okay, David. But I would add that um, as well. For us, like the cool, the thing that this shows is that importance of having people like Cheryl saying based in community. So this entire team, all three reporters were, were onboarded in coronavirus times, right? Like they weren't, they haven't been able to come together for a training. Like Mm. everything has been virtual. Mm. And I remember talking to them as this was happening and saying, you know, if anyone like just checking in to make sure you're still keen. And they were like, no, this is more important than ever because we're going to be here and we're in our communities and we can talk to people in person from a distance and we can, can do that groundwork. And so I do think in terms of like the broader local news and and media ecosystem, what I think COVID-19 is teaching us and, and we've heard over and over again from community, like this is a learning time. This is a time for reflection, but what it's teaching us is that we, do need to have people based in, in places where they can serve community and also that you know typical journalism outlets with these massive buildings in in downtown toronto or something like that you know it's like people can work from home and we can spread out our resources to to be listening to a broader range of communities and i think um it's forced the industry to adapt pretty quickly um and for us, it hasn't been as impactful just because we are a digital-based outlet with our reporters based in community anyway. Um, so we haven't had to do the same amazing feats of um, technological innovation and stuff like that that some others have had to 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 stay on the air and that kind of thing. Mm. You know, it's interesting. You said that they were hired during this this whole process, and you said that you went out uh, and and you sort of spread the word. Uh, uh, you know. Uh, uh, one at a time, which is, of course, is the moccasin telegraph that you were using there. And, um, you know, uh, uh, Cheryl, what you were saying about elders, I think, is really important because that is something that I think in in the mainstream people don't think about in terms of indigenous communities or indigenous uh, 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 people, especially with COVID-19 affecting the, the elderly. Um, because elders are, in many cases, the knowledge keepers, they, they are the holders of the language and, and all of those kind of things. So when elders are lost in a community, it's a big blow, um, and and it's, it's somewhat. Uh, it's it's great that many of the communities have been able to, uh, you know, keep that keep that bar uh, uh, flattened, and when it comes to uh, getting the the COVID nineteen into their communities. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the talk among the provinces is, you know, how soon can we open up the economy, mm. and. Um, implicitly they're saying there is like a safe number of people who can get sick yep. and you know we can we'll have enough room in the emergency rooms to help treat the ones who we think are going to survive anyway but um 
a part of it is uh, the reality is is that uh, they're with the opening of the economy, so to speak, there are people who will be uh, willingly sacrificed. Um, not that people want that to happen. Nobody mm-hmm. wants that to happen. Mm-hmm. But there is that measure saying, well, we just have to live with it, that there are some people who will die because yeah. of uh, of our actions in mm. uh, opening up the economy. So we're seeing Indigenous communities who are more resistant to that and willing to take a longer time in protecting their communities. Um, mm. So they they don't see eye to eye with uh, with the provincial leaders. Right. Uh, we saw that down uh, in just in, in South Dakota, all with that happening as well, where mm. You know, state troopers are willing to arrest the people on the checkpoint mm. when they're just trying to protect their own people, and kind of see that as as kind of a uh, a theme, you know, of uh, like criminalizing indigenous people for protecting something, mm. whether they're you know protecting their own uh, drinking water source. Mm-hmm. Now they're you know they're trying to protect their elders, but um, the whole focus is well, no, well, we have to open up the economy, so you can't block mm. that road any longer. Right. So is there's really that uh, that big cultural divide uh, that that we're seeing again now with the pandemic. Hmm. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you both on the show today. Is there any final comments that uh, either of you think we haven't touched on that we you want to mention just before we go? Um, I would say. Um, There, if uh, if people want to see more of these unique voices, then people are going to have to be uh, showing their support mm. in in one way or another. Because news media organizations across the country, like, are in trouble. Like, mm-hmm. APTN is not government funded, right? But we do get a revenue from cable subscriptions, and we all know that. Not everyone's getting cable. There's lots of people who have never had cable. There's yep. people cutting off their cable. So uh, APTN is in that same uh, canoe, I guess, mm-hmm. of trying to wonder how do we sustain ourselves into the future if we don't have these cable revenues. So right. that's where uh, people will need to choose who they want to support and who they want to stay thriving in the news media landscape. Well, let's certainly hope that they uh, start to put um, uh, APTN support as well as uh, the discourse and this new Indigenous service because uh, certainly it's something you guys both want to have grow uh, so that these these messages can get out. and we're going to have to end that conversation right there. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have both of you on the show. I want to thank you both for uh, coming in and joining us on Moment of Truth. Thank you very much, David. And thank you to your listeners on Element FM. Thank you. And thank you, Lindsay. Bye. Take care. All right. Take care. That's Lindsay Sample. She's the executive editor of The Discourse. And Cheryl McKenzie. She's the new executive director of news and current affairs at APTN. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. And that is our show for today here on Moment of Truth. We thank you for listening and we look forward to bringing you more stories right here on Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. Until then, we'll see you then. 
This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.